Hello and welcome to Comic Book Herald's Cree Annotators. I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com. Today I'm joined by writer and creator Chris Condon, creator of That Texas Blood, image comic series with Jacob Phillips. If you're unfamiliar with That Texas Blood, it's a look at crime in a small Texas town, a noir horror combo with some of my favorite storytelling in comics over the past couple of years. And volume three will begin this summer, June 2022. You have 13 great issues to catch up on before then. It's not too much. It's all worth it. I highly recommend it. Mild spoilers, mild spoilers may follow, but generally I want to keep this free for those who haven't read yet. So Chris, thanks so much for joining. I really appreciate you hopping in today. With that Texas blood, my first question is, so this is the, you and Jacob team up, and this is your your first big comic. Um, you launch and you, you have the thing ready to go, right? But then you're launching into the pandemic. You're launching into 2020. And my question is, obviously that's wild, right? Timing. How do you think you all found success and and kind of navigated that um like just like yeah. totally unexpected you know circumstance well that's the wild thing about it is that i actually have i it's uh, one of those great what ifs you know where i'm wondering you know if it wasn't for the pandemic would we have been as big as we got with issue one through four where you know to be sold out twice with issue one and then we sold out issues two through four and all of them got a second printing the first issue got three printing but it, it's one of those things where it's like we were one of the first books back because uh, people don't remember uh, Diamond Curtail Distribution. And mm -hmm. I think it was March, uh, March 2020. And we were due out in May and we were taken off. Um, and we didn't know when we were going to come back and, or anything like that. And then we ended up being put in in June, uh, yeah. one of the first books back. And we sold really well. Um, and a lot of people read the book and liked the book and were tweeting about the book and talking about the book. And of course, Image reprinted it. But it's one of those things where if we were just, you know, if there was no break in distribution. If, you know, if there were more books out, like, would we have been as big as, as we were? I don't know. Uh, but, you know, it's one of those things where. I almost don't want to find out. Mm -hmm. It was, it was mm -hmm. definitely weird. I mean, it was a weird situation because, like I said, we didn't know when we were coming out. We didn't know if we were coming out. You know, at that yeah. point, was, everything was kind of up in the air. Yeah, for yeah. sure. No, it was, it was wild. Yeah, so, that you know, it's it was definitely a weird time, especially for a first book to come out, you know, with both me and Jacob. It was both of our first books. I guess, he, well, I guess he had colored um, junkies at that point, but in terms of, like, his artwork, his, you know, he's doing everything. Yeah. Uh, right. His first book. So, um, yeah. Cool. Cool. So in, in one of the earliest letter columns, um, yeah. you're talking about, you know, kind of the plans for the book. And mm -hmm. I think you referenced talking about like a planned 30 issue run potentially. Yeah. How, now that you're 13 in and you got the third, third arc coming and it's been yeah. a couple of years with this. How do you feel about that now? Like, does that still sound like the right number? Do you feel like it could go no, for more? Sound like the right number. Yeah. Um, I think that I was, I was thinking that I could pull off some story arcs and less issues than I want to now. Um, and other arcs I've gotten rid of, but I think, I think 30 was like a good number to pick instead of being like, you know, 50 or something. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. too grandiose. But, um, uh, I think probably since we're going to end be ending this arc on issue 19, and then we're going to be doing another one shot for issue 20. I think we considering our arcs tend to go five to six issues. I think we're definitely going to go over 30 because I mean, yeah. we already have two full arcs planned after this. Nice. You know, of course, if you know, we sell well enough and we're able to continue doing it, there's two full arcs plus one shots for each of those, or maybe two more one shots, three more one shots. Um, so it's definitely going to be over 30, but um, it'll be around 30, I guess. Uh, but I did like the number 30. I thought 30 sounded like, an, you know, it was like a good number of issues to have. And it would be, you know, for collections and everything would be um, a good number. I don't know, but it's just not working out the way that I planned it out originally. Well, in, in a good way, right? Like it's, it's got way. legs and Absolutely. we've got more. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm really happy with how everything's coming, coming out. And, uh, 
yeah, so I'm, I'm really happy with it. I'm happy to continue doing it. People like it and want to keep reading it. Well, it does seem like, so So the thing about that Texas blood for people who don't know it is, so you start out with a story that's like, you know, our quote unquote present day, right? With, yeah. with the sheriff of the small town and there's a crime and there's an individual who left and now they're coming back. Um, and, and they kind of get sucked into the violence and the, the crime of, of what they were used to in Texas. Um, and then in the second arc, you do a flashback, right? And that's where it kind of, I think for me, definitely as a reader, it was like the doors flew open and it's like, oh, this, this could go for as long as you want it to now, <laughs> because yeah. you can tell stories in this town throughout the era, throughout the ages, right? You can go to different towns in the county, right? You could yeah. go all over the map. Um, so that was definitely a moment where it was like, yeah, like 30 is a super healthy run. Like, that's great. But mm -hmm. like, I could definitely see this going longer so long as you're feeling it and, and feel like it has legs, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is that, so it's the idea for the other two arcs that I was talking about in the one shots that those would all be sort of like Joe Bob centric. And then if we go beyond that, it would probably be something else. I don't think that it would be Joe Bob anymore at that point. Um, I mean, the guy's seven years old, you know, there's <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't tell me that about Joe Bob. I want him to live forever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, you know, that it's, it's the, the first arc was, um, interesting to kind of see people talk about it and they go, I, w I wonder where it's going to go from here. And then, you know, we've already, you know, if, if you look at our pitch packet that we had sent the image, you know, we say that it's going to, it jumps around and like, you know, Joe Bob's not necessarily always like the lead, even though that's not necessarily true anymore, kind of fall in love with him myself. So I tend to put him in front and center. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the idea of doing these sort of different time periods and like, so the next arc is set in 1992. There's no flashbacks in it though. Um, I thought about it when I was, before I started actually scripting it, I thought about doing a wraparound. Um, but I just ended up thinking that it, it was, I didn't want it to become like the thing that we do. You know what I mean? Like I didn't want to have to think about every arc that goes into the past. Now I'm going to do wraparound. Um, so I wanted to try to do something else in this one. So it's just set in 1992. So it's it's more immediate um, in terms of the the, re the emotions that you're hearing from people. There's no reminiscing about you know what happened in 1992. You're seeing it all as it's right. unfolding, um, which I thought was a little you know is different and and interesting in its own way um, than what we've done previously. Mm -hmm. um, well, yeah, it's uh, it's I, you know, I really am happy with how the Eversol arc turned out, and I'm, I'm really happy that so many people kind of connected with Eversol. Um, and you know, if he comes back, I'm excited to uh, <laughs> see how people will like that. Um, but that's that's one of the thing, great things about our comics, as well, with jumping around in time, is uh, it allows me to bring people back and places and. Uh, cars <laughs> thing uh, from throughout the time time period so yeah 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 for sure no it's it's exciting i think it, it definitely works and it's it, again i think it's kind of a natural progression too like you're saying where you have the second arc is is joe bob's reminiscing about this old case but now you know you've built the the groundwork here where i think now it's like okay we we get what's going on right like we know we can just go back to this era and maybe we'll come back to present day in a future arc but like you know that that groundwork is laid so your partner here with Jacob Phillips, right? This incredible artist, but he, like you said, like he'd primarily been, I think, coloring um, his father, Sean Phillips, who's, you know, an absolute legend, right? Doing work on, on mm -hmm. My Heroes of All Been Junkies, Reckless, right? The whole Brubaker suite, um, the newer criminal stuff. Do you feel, so like, because you're working with Jacob, but also, I mean, you're working in noir and Brubaker and Phillips have become an institution in comics. Do you yeah. feel that shadow on your work? Yeah, you know, it's funny because I didn't think about it when we pitched the comic like i i mean i didn't really think about it at all i i always kind of loved noir stuff um way back when i was in film school like the films i made were all like i made like one of the things that i made was a black and white um noir story you know with dramatic lighting and you know the whole thing i mean even then it was like my, my teacher was like you're like Raymond Chandler, but a filmmaker. And I'm like, all right, cool. But you know, it's like, <laughs> it's high praise. Yeah. But, and that was 2012 or something like that, you know, so this has always been me. 
Um, and I've always loved Brubaker and Phelps. So it's, it just didn't really even like occur to me. You know, I mean, I found Jake through them on Killer Be Killed. Um, he was doing the backups there. But in terms of the, the shadow, I feel like it was sort of pointed out to me more. And I was like, oh, yeah. Okay. So I feel like, you know, it's like that thing where we're just, we're going to be compared to them, I think, because we are a duo, you know, creating noir, you know? Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's interesting. Uh, part of me wishes people didn't compare us because I think just Brubaker is so good. Um, and I don't know if I'm half as good, but, um, you know, it, it, you know, it, it is something that's like, oh, I'm aware of. And I don't try to, you know, I don't try to do anything that he does. I, you know, some people have said that, you know, we, we have characters that refer and things like that, like they do in, in criminal. Um, but that wasn't even, again, that wasn't even the thought from criminal. I was sort of pulling from other loves like Stephen King and stuff like that. How he always has a howler and showing up and things. And, uh, you know, the guy from the shining and he shows up and like in it and a bunch of other stuff. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Is that sort of where I got it from? And then I was, as somebody pointed out, I go, "Oh yeah, that's true." Yeah. So it's one of those things where it's just I feel like when you're working within a genre in which somebody's sort of become the name in the genre, I think you're automatically going to be compared to them or you know be in their shadow to some extent. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, yeah. I think it's kind of inevitable, especially when you're talking to comics people right like if that's primarily if that's the medium you primarily consume which for me it is right yeah. they they have just become synonymous with the style um Absolutely. of storytelling which as you're referencing and you reference a ton you know in the back matters like well there's a whole <laughs> legacy of cinema and yeah. all sorts of of literature right and i, I so like i read my first dashiell hammett book before this i read red harvest based on a wreck that was a blast that's a great book i love yeah. that yeah, so that was a fun time. And I also, uh, I watched Blood Simple for the first time recently. Um, and I saw that you happened to give a lecture or a talk about the movie, uh, or, or you were going to. Did that did that happen? Yeah, I was out in Houston. I was flown out to Houston, and I, I we screened Blood Simple, and I talked about it a little bit. I honestly, I didn't really know what to expect when I got there. I wish I actually had prepared more. I, I did a talk at a university. Two, I actually did two talks at universities. And... I had prepared remarks and everything, and then when I did the Blood Simple thing, I just kind of winged it. And I, there, after I sat down, I was like, I, they're all thinking all of the things that I wanted to say now, mm-hmm. you sure. know. Um, but I mean, you mentioned both of the, you know, Red Harvest and Blood Simple, and obviously Blood Simple gets its title from Red Harvest. Those were both huge influences on the first arc of that Texas Blood. Um, specifically that arc. I mean, th- there's a thing that happens in which uh, he thinks he's killed a person. And, you know, it's it's sort of that, but also mixed with like Edgar Allan Poe a little bit. But it was uh, it, there's a scene in Red Harvest in which the Continental Op wakes up and he's stuck an ice pick in somebody and he doesn't remember doing it. Mm-hmm. And like, that was the, my reference to that. You know, so I, I think I'm constantly referencing like you know, something that I love in like either novels or movies or something like that. Yeah. It was fun to connect those dots. Definitely for me to go back and see, cause the blood simple, like my, so I watched it with my wife and she was losing her mind at the thing where, where, you know, you think the guy, the, the guy has been killed, yeah. <laughs> but then like nobody bothers to check. Yeah. <laughs> she was, she was furious with everyone <laughs> involved for making all these mistakes. But I was like, that's the point is like, people don't know what they're doing, you know? Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's such a great movie. To, and the thing that I, was like kind of stressing at the screening that we did um, was that it that is an amazing movie not only because it's a good movie but because it's literally the first Coen Brothers movie they mm-hmm. came out the gate fully yeah. formed as this amazing writer director duo and that's one of the things that I think and, you know and also it was it's it's an East Texas movie um, versus you know a west texas movie like no pinch world and, and we were used in this again. well first you know we got a screen that's simple and also i hadn't seen it on the big screen before so that was really cool oh nice to see it on the big screen yeah um which you know i guess that's what you know writing comics affords you the opportunity to actually just sort of get an email and say do you want to screen a movie and you pick whatever movie you want to watch i guess <laughs> there like, you go you know and it's an expensive way to watch a movie but it's uh it's worth it. 
Yeah, no, it's, it's, that's cool. It's cool you got to do that. So like what, so, you know, you're talking about these influences and, and obviously this legacy of noir and and the style of kind of this, you know, what has become the hard-boiled detective, right? Mm-hmm. This crime type of thing, which which this isn't always that, right? There's a lot of different elements and there's a lot of different flavor. Some of it's just small town Texas life, right? And, and kind of the panorama of what that looks like. I think sometimes when the genre gets talked about, it can be almost like a cheat code. People are like, oh, it's noir. People are like, I love noir. And it's like, well, but that means yeah. <laughs> many different things depending on who's telling the storytelling. What for you are the critical elements in that Texas blood? Like what's most important for you to be like, okay, this is a story I dig and I feel good about. In that Texas blood? In our yeah. I mean, yeah. I think that it's, I think mainly it's character. I think that's the big thing for me is mm-hmm. character. So, I mean, I, I you know, I had, was thinking about it the other day because there's a there's a three page sequence in issue fifteen that uh, Jake drew um, exceptionally well. What doesn't he do exceptionally well? But um, the it sort of captures everything that I like think our book is about, which is it's just like a really human moment. It's like sort of like a sad moment, but it's also it's just about like family, neighborhood neighbors, and you know it's sort of just that's what our book is about. Yeah. But then, you know, our book is also about cult murders and, you know, serial killers. <laughs> like yeah. But uh, I think at the end of the day, I think that what, what I think our book has to have in it is the, that humanity. Um, and that's like, that's one of the things, you know, I know that there's a lot of, uh, you know, there might be some people who don't want to read our books or main character is a cop, you know, which is a thing. Uh, I'm aware, and also the fact that we're set in Texas, that's also another thing that I know some people probably won't think. I know there was a very famous cop creator who I actually love. I was sort of, they were like, I think I've had enough about Texas. They said, we're hurt about Texas. And I was like, what, what, I don't, what do you want me to do? You know, and like, I can't, I don't make the news. I just, I read this book, but I mean, I think that that's the thing though, is there, there are good people in Texas and I think some of them have, you know, they, they work jobs that they don't necessarily love. And I think that that's something that we're exploring, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's one of the interesting components of this is like, you're not from Texas, right? Like, it's not like this is your background, but you have affiliation and certainly you've, it's not like you haven't done the research, right? Like, that's not what I'm saying, but like, you're not in, you're not native. You weren't born there. Um, I'm not native. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it offers this like fascinating landscape and people, but like you're saying, it's, it's the center of so much, uh, national political debate right now, especially in America. And then obviously like none more so right now than gun safety yeah. after just this unbearable massacre at, at an elementary school. Yeah. Probably. How do you, how do you kind of navigate like, you know, kind of this outsider's perspective of, of the region, like staying true to it, but then also, I don't know, like how much do you hear those voices of people being like, I don't want anything to do with Texas or whatever, right? Like, I, mean, I, I hear them and I understand, but I also think that, like I said, I mean, there you can't write off an entire state based on. <laughs> it's a big state too. Right? Yeah, it's a lot of people, and, and not everybody in West Texas is, you know, politically that. There, there's, you know, I was just in West Texas and I was talking to people, and they are very much on the same page as everybody else in the country is calling for, you know, gun rights legislation or uh, gun control legislation and things sure. like that. Yeah. Especially in the light of, like you said, this, this horrible massacre. So, I mean, the, but the, the real reality of it is that the place is gerrymandered because it's been Republican run. And also there's, frankly, there's bribery, um, horror folks, they need money. They need, you know, something, you know, a debt forgiven. It happens. Uh, I mean, I, I don't have any specifics like to get into about it, but uh, you know, this is what I've, you know, when I heard when I was out there. So, I mean, I think that there's, there's the same, this, the feelings that like the rest of the country has about Texas. I think the people in Texas have the same exact feelings and they love the place where they live. It's just unfortunate to them that it, it is the way that it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, of course, there's there's also, you know, jackasses. But, you know. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, it's, it's you know, it's like you're saying though. It's like anywhere. Like that's I can what? walk outside and I can point to the houses where yeah. 
you know, like people I agree with and people I don't agree with. You know what I mean? But I mean, I, you know, all I can do is, you know, I don't think that you have to be from a place to write about a place. That's mm -hmm. like first and foremost. I really don't believe that. That's not true. I mean, for the Coen brothers, they're from Minnesota and they wrote and directed two movies about Texas and I don't want to hear anybody like kind of complaining about that, you know? So, and I don't hear anybody complaining from Texas about our book. I think people love our book in Texas, mostly at least. They sometimes complain about like, I have town names that are at, like town names in other parts of Texas and they complain about that, but I'm like referencing birds and stuff. So, and it's a fictional county, so leave me alone. Um, <laughs> but uh, I don't know, like I think in general people like it, but it's just, it all comes down to the observation, just listening, watching, um, you know, talking to people and, and really hearing what they have to say and like trying to make that as true to their experience as possible. Um, you know, cause I mean, it, it, it really is. It's like, it's slower paced life than what I know. And, you know, I, I, I'm like a manic person, you know, I'm an anxious person. I don't think I read anybody in our book like an anxious person. Uh, there's definitely aspects of Joe Bob that are me, but I don't think that I'm writing me. I think I'm writing somebody, you know, sort of based off of the people that I meet. Texas, you know, I think that they're they're all like generally they're fairly nice people, um, good people, generous people. Um, it just again so happens that they're in the state where it's sort of their governor is uh, putting his uh, political future ahead of their wants or needs, which I think is very true. Um, I don't think that most. Texans want roadblocks at the border. You know, I don't think mm -hmm. that most Texans want uh, their option to get an abortion curtailed. I don't think most Texans want AR-15s in schools um, or one door, whatever Ted Cruz has been saying. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, so I don't know. It's that's, that's also just a whole other conversation because I think that that's that's uh, one faction of. Republican Party. I think that there's good people in the Republican Party, but th those guys are not them. You know, they, mm -hmm. they, they care more about lining their pockets than about anything else. Or not only lining their pockets, but again, looking to like, oh, what kind of crazy shit can I say and then, you know, get me uh, to president one day, you know? Grab for power. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. For each power. So, I, I, you know, and I want to be clear too, like for, for the people listening, like that Texas blood is not about all this, like, like very directly oh, no, at I, all, right? Like, just to be clear, but it's like I literally just I, using the word Texas. All of a sudden, it's like all that stuff can come onto it for certain. Like, like I'll admit, like I held off on it for a minute, yeah. purely, purely, and, and it wasn't even a super conscious thing. But I was like, I don't know that I want to read a Texas book right now. And then I started yeah. it and I loved it, you know. But it, that was actually in the back of my mind. I realized as I started it. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, I mean, I love the place, but I, it's one of those places where it's like, it, it definitely, there's a love hate relationship with it because there's so many good things about it. And then there's so many bad things about it. I mean, just the, the history of it. I mean, you go back and I mean, there's a lot of awful things that have happened in Texas, but you know, it's also this beautiful state. Um, maybe the most beautiful state. I, I don't know. I think that in California, I've, might be in the running together. They're both absolutely beautiful states. But, um, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, I don't put any of my political beliefs into the book. I mean, I do on like, I do get into it on Twitter. You know, I just, I don't really think that I'm saying anything outlandish, but like that's, you know, I, I make myself known. I don't think that I get, put it into the book. Cause I, th I don't think that every person in the book believes the things that I believe. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that Joe Bob probably is a, Traditionally, he's a Republican, you know, sure, yeah. he's a, a Trumpist. I don't think so. But, you know, I think that he's a Republican. I think that he probably, you know, he's a conservative person. Um, and I think other people in the book are conservatives as well. And I don't have a problem with that. You know, just that I'm not that way personally doesn't mean that I can't write people and actually care about them. Right. You know, I have people in my family that are conservative and I care very deeply about them. You know, and that's, that's, I think, you know, this is a weird conversation we're having about the comic, but, you know, I think no, I know what you mean, though. every conversation we need to be having in our country is about, you know, caring for people and not caring about what your political views are. It's not the end of the world. 
Mm-hmm. You know, that's what democracy is, and you know, that's what it should be. People discussing yeah. ideas, getting yeah. a better future. Well, and that text—it's not like you're right. Like you're writing real people. You're writing a, a an attempt at a lived experience, and that's going to have a wide variety <laughs> of of beliefs, and just being true to this area where, you know, if somebody's in their seventies and they're in West Texas, like demographically, what are the odds here? Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you're going to write them that way, you know? Yeah. I, you know, I just, you know, it's, if you're in a, like a rural area and you don't, you don't really, you know, you don't go to the cities much, you know, you, you see the same thing over and over again, you know, every day, I think chances are you're probably going to be conservative because you're probably saying like, why do I care about, you know, these people out there? You know, I care about me here and my people. I, you know, I don't think you're necessarily thinking about the world at large. I think you're thinking about your place where you live. I mean, maybe you know, obviously, that may be different now with social media and sort of. But if you're an yeah. older person, I think that yeah, you probably skew conservative. I would think. Yeah, I mean that's been that's been my experience. I, I have family in Texas too, and uh, yeah. it's it's a similar sort of experience and similar yeah. sort of political beliefs. But then, but then not, you know, it's like yeah. but then some, well, some I, people yeah, go I, the I, other I, way. I have friends in Texas, and I also have family in Texas, and it, it, yeah, exactly. It's, it goes either way. It's not always just one one road. Yeah, yeah. No, I hear that. I hear that. Um, so yeah, no, and I think that's that's part of the thing too, though, is like you can feel your appreciation and like empathy and curiosity about the area um, in the book, which I think is essential to, like you said, like this being like, yes, it's crime. Yes, it's noir. There's even some supernatural horror, right? When we get into the second arc. Um, but ultimately it's about the people and ultimately it's about, because if, because if we don't care about Joe Bob, if we don't care about the individuals and we don't care about, you know, these people, these stories will, I think, feel familiar and potentially trite, right? Like yeah. it's not like it's, you've never seen anything like this before. Um, but that, that piece of it makes it excel. I, one one question I have is uh, the, all the towns and the counties you mentioned. You know they're they're not necessarily in the same places, but they're they're literary references, right? Um, yeah. wh- what was the what was the inspiration behind like the the references that you pull? I think there's authors that I love. Um, you know, I Washington Irving is is one of them. Uh, you know, there's one of the towns is Irving. I know that there's a real Irving, Texas. That was like what I remember like seeing on Reddit. Somebody was like. This author doesn't know anything about Texas. I'm like, no, no, no. I know, I know Irving's outside of Dallas. I just wanted to, like, I, I really yeah, love yeah. Legend of Sleepy Hollow. It's like one of my favorite stories. And so I, so, I had sort of set up before any of that, before I named Irving or whatever. I was like, I wanted it to be Ambrose County, named after Ambrose Pierce. And then I wanted it to also because it sounded like it could be a real place. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. it just kind of sounded good. You know, that that's, that's like part of just dialogue and naming things like we have this uh the serial killer in our new arc is called the red queen killer aka rqk and in coming up with that i was like that sounds like it could be a real thing you know so that's part of it is just sort of like repeating things like out loud and being like it that sounds okay and then same thing with fort lahane um named after dennis lahane one of the great crime writers um mystic river uh gone baby gone uh you know fantastic writer uh yeah i just i wanted to pay homage to him because i mean the first arc is a a noir crime story i mean every single one of our arcs is going to have crime involved in it even if we do go horror or whatever um so you know wanted to pay homage to him and then sort of it ballooned out of that okay well if i already have two names that are authors i have to keep doing this you know, yeah. so I, all the other town names got picked because of that. Sure. So Irving, Lawrence. Um, there's probably another one that I'm forgetting. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, I dig that. That's one of the weird things about creating a fictional county, though, is that I have to like go back through my papers and like find the name. I was gonna say. Things. Yeah, yeah. You need a you need a fake map now with all the <laughs> all the counties listed on them. You know. Yeah, and same thing with like character names and, and stuff. I have to like pull out the trades and like flip through and like find oh. <laughs> or go back to the issues for the back matter and like look up what I said about this one thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's funny. It's, yeah. It's kind of fun to have a sort of fake history that I have to pull from, you know? Yeah. 
So I, I do love the back matter in these in these issues. So if you're if you're collecting the trades, I don't know that you get this, but um in the in the individual issues, you include, you know, some some like detailed back matter. So like it could be um, letters. There's a green bean casserole recipe <laughs> in the holiday special, which is super fun. Uh, what was the what was which the sort of issue one? If if uh... Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> right? It, it's crucial, crucial part of the story, which is fun. Yeah. Um uh, what was the what was the thinking behind making sure that these were in the print issues? Um, obviously to give it value, but like what kind of goes into selecting? Because the the first five I want to say are like short stories mm-hmm. written by right. We know this person's a writer and kind of their story. Like yeah. what what goes into that process for you for the back matter? Uh, in terms of deciding the back matter, I I mean it's just sort of a lot of th- so starting with so issue one, two through six, like you said, has a short story serialized. Um, and that just sort of came from the idea of let's get to know this character, you know, in terms of his own work and like what he does, you know, I guess, um, and sort of what his thinking is and some, and the story's dark and it's sort you know, sort of analogous to what's happening to him and his brother. Um, cause it's a story about like two guys that are essentially like have a brotherhood, you know, they're like, they have a brotherly relationship. Um, and then in arc two, essentially, I, I wanted to have sort of more evidence that you could kind of piece through. And I, I also wanted to establish there were other things that uh, we didn't actually bring up in the in dialogue or anywhere in the actual comic. But we could build out a further history of the Beaumonts, again, an author named Charles Beaumont, um, one of the great... Twilight Zone writers, um, which again, horror. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but, you know, I just wanted to flesh out more about the history of, okay, you know, there has been weird happenings here before. And, you know, this family is this, this is the house that Wellman stays in. And, you know, like sort of fleshing out things like that. Um, I don't necessarily have a plan going into it. Um, I sort of feel it out once we have the issue completed. I sort of think of like what would go well with this. Um, so for issue 14, we have two pieces that flesh out a character that we introduce in the beginning of the issue. Um, and we sort of get to explore that person a little bit and it sort of amplifies certain feelings that you're feeling mm-hmm. as you read that issue. And maybe you want to go back and reread it again and kind of get to know that person again or, you know, in the subsequent issues, you know, maybe feel a little, little bit differently about them and like what's happening to the, the world around them. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's all sort of just whatever it feels right. Cause I mean, I, I throw stuff out, like I'll write a whole thing and I'll throw it out because I don't feel like it's fitting or I'll add an extra piece for issue 15. I added an extra piece that we were going to have. It all just is about what feels organic to the, the story. I think and what helps amplify what we're doing in the actual, you know, sequential art pages. Sure. You know? um, yeah. But one of the, one of the really fun things about this next arc um, is that we uh, we have I have a discussion about eighties and nineties horror with the the writer Paul Tremblay. Oh, cool. Cabin at the end of the world and um, Survivor Survivor song, um, which is pretty fun. So it's like a serialized conversation instead of a letters page. Yeah. Um, we'll write letters in, we'll probably in the one shot, we'll see those letters. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so right now it's just, it's a serialized conversation. Uh, but I, I loved having this conversation with him, sort of digging deep into 80s, 90s horror, what he thinks works about it. Uh, we also talk about his, his book, Survivor Song, which is about essentially uh, a rabies pandemic. Uh, okay. Uh, and it was released in like June 2020, so, oh, wow. you know, which yeah. is a fun thing to kind of ask him about because it's like you know, reading it, you're reading about PPE and you know, people reacting poorly to you know, thinking that there's a conspiracy with vaccines and all this. Oh yeah, and he had written it probably 2018 or something. Yeah, you know, so it was all pre-pandemic. So it's it's really interesting to uh, you know talk to him and, and you know really honored that we we're able to have him in our book that's cool that's cool no that's that's definitely one of the things that i tell people like 
because certain comics they're going to read the same imprint digital trade mm -hmm. right but with that texas blood and you know brubert phillips i think have a history of doing this too with a lot of their stuff like criminal like the back matter and the actual print issues is really great <laughs> like it's really useful i mean i also even just your your write-ups or your letter responses and all the like i mentioned like all the references and inspirations that you're sharing like i'm checking those out you know so now mm -hmm. i've got a list of more stuff and and detective stories to read and all that so like that's yeah it's it's awesome i definitely dig that it gives it just gives so much value to like okay, why am I collecting this in print? Aside from just like having another long box full of stuff, you know, and it's it's appreciated. Well, thank you. I'm glad it works. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So following issue 13, the book's taken a six month hiatus um, or yeah. thereabouts. Uh, what was the rationale and, and how was it, how did it set you guys up for the return of, you know, come well, back to the same thing after arc one, uh, we had a, a little bit of a break. We did you in December and then we, yeah, we came back in June. Um, okay. Uh, uh, the, the reason for that is just Jacob needs a month off. <laughs> sure, yeah. Because <laughs> he's working like the entire year, you know. I mean, he takes weekends off, but he's working five days a week. And uh, it's hard work, you know. It's a lot to, you know, and he's doing this and he's doing New Bird and he's also coloring his father's book. Mm -hmm. um, so mm -hmm. that was really rationale behind it. But I mean, it also just gives us a, a moment to sort of recalibrate and kind of think about what we're doing. Um, you know, and we and we do think about the future of things. Like, I think the next thing we're going to do is actually not going to be central to our Joe Bob stuff in Amherst County. We're actually going to go back in time to uh, something we mentioned in the issue seven bag matter, which is the Enfield Gang Massacre, uh, which happens in the 1800s. Um, and it's going to be basically a war between this gang and the, and the, the army and Okay. And the other folks in, in the county. And just again, sort of establishing, you know, bad stuff that happens in, in Ambrose County and just sort of establishing the history of it a little bit. Um, and yeah, Jake just kind of, he was like, it kind of sounds fun. Are we going to do that? You know, you know, old West sort of stuff. I was like, yeah. Sure, we can do it. Why not? So I think we're going to see what uh, Eric Stevenson and Image thinks about it. And if he thinks it'll be a good idea. We'll do that. So that'll be like a mini series. So that'll be like a renumbered thing. It will start from one, the, I don't know, four or five issues or something like that. And then we'll come back probably in um, 2024 with the next. Interesting. Arc. Gotcha. So with, with the second arc, we had a, a cult um, and uh, a lot more supernatural elements, right? With sort of this literal bat demon, which if people have read any Batman comics, <laughs> it's, it's not, you know, that, that happens occasionally. Um, on arc three, you're talking about a serial killer. Mm -hmm. How, how much do you think you'll be balancing sort of the supernatural elements with this town going forward in terms of sort of the, the curse of it, or is it more just different styles of horror and violence? And like you said, bad things that have happened throughout this history. Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit of uh, doing different sort of, subgenres within the genre yeah um but also yeah we like the the supernatural stuff will it, it continues to play a part i mean it even plays a part and puts smaller sin in this art because there's sort of a question of why why here why now you know like why would you come to this small texas county and do this like you know these people um so that's sort of the implication is again, like bad things are sort of attracted to this place. And uh, why is that? So we definitely are going to explore that more in the subsequent arcs. Um, okay. And I'm really excited about that. That's it's, it's something I've been building up to since like 2013. I, I've started writing this stuff. Hmm. And so it's, it's, uh, I, I did the same thing with arc one and a little bit in arc two where I sort of was pulling from things that I'd written previously. And that's what's going to happen here. It's definitely going to be a different thing than what I wrote, you know, in 2013 when I was I know, 20 years old. And that, so we kind of skipped over that cause I've, you know, seen you talk about other interviews, but like this was like originally like a movie script, right? First, yeah. is that, that's kind of yeah. what you're referencing? Yeah. Well, I just, I, you know, I probably would have done comics. I always used to draw my own comics and stuff. I just sort of, I couldn't imagine doing animation or comics because drawing that 
much. <laughs> it's like, it was scary to me. So, and I always had thought about drawing my own stuff. And that's probably why I didn't gravitate towards it, I guess. Um, but it, yeah, it was originally a, a film script. And I don't know, it just sort of, when it wasn't working out as a film thing, it just, the comic book idea was, well, let's do it as a comic book. It's it basically like that. I mean, it, it was sort of a no-brainer in my mind, and I think that it's worked out better than it ever would have been as a film. Mm -hmm. um, I, we probably wouldn't have even, who knows what low budget we would have had, had where we would have filmed it and what it would have looked like. and Would anybody have seen it? I don't know. But, you know, mm -hmm. I think everything worked out better as a comic book. Uh, so I'm 100% happy. Good. Let's see. We've got um, the other piece that I want to mention here is in uh, in 2020 when this was launching. You know, or right before this launch, mm -hmm. obviously everything was shut down. You had the opportunity to to launch Patreon yes. with Jacob Phillips, um, and uh, you started this brutal dark yes. right, which is a, a you know we've been talking about noir. That is a very right specifically it's like very okay, straight noir, yeah, 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 that real hard boiled detective kind of stuff. Um, it's called yeah, brutal dark, 40s. and yeah. I think you've returned to it on the Patreon in uh, with with short stories. Sent. So there's like, th I think three or four issues of a comic that, that Jacob Phillips does. Um, I guess the question here is, do you think you'd return to that as a comic at some point, maybe with another artist, obviously just given Jacob's schedule, or do you think it's kind of just like, well, that was a fun thing in that moment and we've got other stuff now. You know, I would love to return to it as a comic. Um, I think Jake would too. It's just when we would do it is the problem. So, and I don't, I mean, I, I could talk to him about doing it with a different, uh, artist and maybe having him on covers or something like that, but I, I sort of would want to just wait and explore it at a later date, you know. Um, but yeah, it's definitely something I would want to return to. I, I wish, I mean, I had a fourth issue already scripted, so I knew, and it was, I liked the issue a lot. I thought it was very, it was very Fleischer Superman with like a spotlight on hmm. this guy and it's swinging and, you know, I don't know, reveals, reveals like a menacing looking character in the darkness and all that. I don't know. It was like fun, like, cause it was fun to plan them in like eight pages versus 24, 23. If you're writing for a 32 page comic, which we're always going over, by the way, I'm not good. With, I'm always like, well, let me just send this to Jake and see what he thinks. He's like, oh, it's good. And then image doesn't say anything. And so we're always going over. <laughs> I think uh, we wound up at like 36 pages on issue 14. Um, but if people like the story, I guess it's, it's fine. Um, but it was fun to plan it out in that way. Cause it was, it was so serialized, um, that you had to figure out, okay, how do I do a sort of punchy thing that we could get in, get out? Um, yeah, it was that the whole point of doing brutal dark in the first place was again, because of the pandemic, we didn't know whether Texas blood was coming out. So we wanted to sort of, uh, capitalize on our momentum that we had. Yeah, going into Texas Blood, and we wanted to prove to people, hey, yeah, we can actually create a comic book, and it, it's not bad, you know. So that was the idea, um, and I did, I did start writing uh, short stories. Uh, it was again, it was serialized. I got to a cliffhanger and left it there, and I'm sort of thinking about coming back with it at a certain point here, but I, I kind of like where it was. I'm waiting to see if I can come up with a good enough uh, escape for our hero. Yeah, uh, yeah. I want it to be good enough, you know. Sure. But Very it's cool. yeah, it's it's something that I would like to return to at the end of the day. Yeah. Gotcha. That makes sense. Uh, so, all right. So, for readers who who haven't read so far, would you say they can go ahead and jump into the third arc, or do you need to catch up on the the yeah, first I think couple? So. I think that you could probably do that in the second arc too. I think mm -hmm. you could jump in any of them. I, I do think that you get a fuller experience having read everything. And I think that that's one of the things that our readers really enjoy is reading issue one and then seeing, this isn't really a spoiler, but in issue 15, Red from Red's Gas shows up. Okay, yeah. In issue one. You know, so then that's sort of the cyclical thing. And then so Ray in issue one, who's at the center of things uh, regarding a casserole dish. Um, 
he is the brother of the lost soul owner and bartender you know so that's like that's the things that you, you see in in the in the series as you read it um starting from issue one and going through right. you'll see characters return you'll see places return uh things in history return and i think that that is a much more rewarding experience but at the end of the day yes you could buy issue 14 jump into it and be fine same thing with issue 13 our christmas issue i wanted that to be a standalone you know one shot there's like one tiny little reference to a thing that happened in the previous arc um which again if you read the arc it means something to you otherwise it could just be a one shot um so yeah i mean i i'm always trying to be proactive about the about allowing readers to jump in i i don't think that it's you know a locked door for new readers I, I think that anybody can come on in and enjoy sure it. yeah yeah definitely reading it so far i would say that i mean that checks out do you think will the one shot in in 2022 this year will that be like is the the holiday horror thing gonna recur you know i, I don't know because i, sure. I haven't planned on it but i i do love the idea of just having a holiday ghost story you know i yeah. really love that idea so i i maybe the story I had planned was about Benchley, um, the West Texas above ground pool king. Okay. Uh, yeah. So that was, it was a story about him. And I really want to do that, but, you know, maybe, maybe that's for another time. I, you know, it is kind of, I almost wish we could do a Halloween issue too, you know? Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I would love to do a Halloween issue, but, you know, it just doesn't work out because we're, coming out with issues until November, you know, yeah. with, with the actual story arc. But, you know, I mean, I, yeah, I was thinking, there's a lot of things I'm thinking about. I'm not sure if we're going to end up doing, but like, I would like to do an extra large issue, you know, with maybe more than one story. But again, it depends on time and Jake's schedule. So, right. Right. Well, he's yeah. finishing a new burn now, so he's not going to have to work on that. Um, at least for the time being. They have an announcement to come back with it. So I think yeah. it for now. Um, so there you yeah. go. Get get in all your oversized uh, <laughs> issues now. <laughs> well, I, you know, I just I love those sorts of like when DC puts out like a Halloween issue or a Christmas issue or something like that. And yeah, it's not necessarily every story that I read I love, but I you know I enjoy getting. You know, I got a Detective Comics from the seventies behind me. And it's like a hundred page special or whatever, and they're all just reprints. It's like, although there's a really cool Alex Toth. Um, story in them. Nice, nice. Yeah, those giant size ones are that can be fun, right? Because it, yeah, it's like you know, there's seven stories, but like two of them are great, right? But yeah. it's the it's the two that you hit that like that's the that's the discovery, that's the journey. Yeah. yeah. Well, so you know, that's an anthology. That's usually what happens in an anthology. You know, how many Twilight Zone episodes are my favorite episodes? Many, yep. But you know, there's a lot that mm -hmm. I think are stinkers. You know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that just sort of happens when you're you're filling. You know, just stories. You're just putting all the story. You know, some of them, and you know, some that story that you don't like might be somebody else's favorite story. Oh yeah. So. Oh yeah. You know, and that's one of the fun things about it. Yeah. No, that's definitely the one of the most recurring things I've learned running a, a comic book site and and just being online right over the past decade is the things that I don't love are many people's favorite. Yeah. <laughs> right. Just inevitably. Well, you know that like I one of the like. If I was ever able to write something for DC, like one of the things that I really want to write is a Buana Beast story. <laughs> I saw you. I saw you reference that somewhere. Yeah, why? Why Buana Beast? I, I just love the character. He's so silly. Yeah, such a silly character, and I just love the. I love his costume. I think it's silly. And I, <laughs> I, I just have this idea that I sort of want to treat him like the Phantom, like the okay. of Phantom, where he's yeah. it's like a. You know, it's a mantle passed down from person to person to person, and it's like you know, take that, yeah. Have a globe trotting conspiracy and all, you know, all this. I think it'd be fun, you know, sort of to to treat this character in a in a different way than has been treated before, but have it be comedic and you know, if if it was if I was to compare it to anything, it'd probably be like the Jimmy Olsen series that Matt Fraction. That was just a blast. Yeah, that, that comic is is pretty incredible, actually. The amount of the amount of story that they cram 
oh, yeah. into each issue is bonkers. I, I love that. It was so yeah. Very, very good stuff. Um, all right, cool. So what else is coming up next for you? So we got we got DC needs to needs to get this Blonde Beast go story going. Yeah. But what else do you got? <laughs> well, I mean, right now we have that Texas Fall coming out. Um, I'm working on a pitch right now with an artist, and hopefully we'll have that to a publisher, and hopefully they'll like it. Um, uh, they seem to be interested in it, so fingers crossed. Um, I have something being announced in... I guess it's not June yet, it's still May. So it's being an announced in June and it's coming out in September, but I can't really talk about that. But it's a, can tell you that it's a one shot story, contained thing. Um, not that Texas blood related, but a different mm-hmm. publisher. Um, and that is something that I'm absolutely loving seeing everything come in. It's not at all how I would have thought about it previously. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's about it right now. So September, I have something coming out. I'll have two books out, which is really fun. Um, and hopefully next year, have some even more stuff. You know, I have a couple things out. You know, maybe two, three. Maybe four <laughs> um, but yeah, right now, Texas Blood, issue 14, June 8th, and then uh, July. I would say July Sixth or something is uh, 15th. Sure. But I mean, I think, you know, I really am excited for readers to read this next arc because I, I, I'm really excited about not only Jacob's artwork, but this is getting even better. Uh, he's really just getting, <laughs> like, I I'm, so, I'm so fortunate to be working with this guy. Uh, like, seeing the, the pencils come in, I'm just, you know, amazed by it. And then I see the inks come in. Somehow he's gotten better, you know, because he was good in issue one. But like looking at stuff now, leaps and bounds better. You know, who could have thought? Uh, but there's there's some really meaty stuff for Joe Bob, for the county, for the other characters that are in it. Um, so I'm really excited to see people uh, get a chance to experience that. And hopefully they like it. Hopefully they don't awesome. need it. It gets pretty dark though. So uh, yeah, I'll bet. I mean, I that's you know, it's it's a it's a pretty heavy book. <laughs> I think that's the expectation. Yeah, I don't yeah. know where that came from, but uh, there. I had I had a panic attack before issue seven came in. Really? When I got my comps in and I saw a certain page and I looked at it and I said, Jesus, did I just ruin my career? Yeah. Did I just end everything right at the start? You know? I'm like, oh God. And then, you know, there was a friend of mine who was like, Oh, that cemetery. <laughs> you know, it's like, Oh yeah, I'm fine. Yeah. Stephen King had a whole career of it. So Yeah. Yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. <laughs> How do, you know, it's in certain in a certain story, I could see exactly what you're saying in terms of like that just feeling like a I'm out moment, right? But I I got to say for me definitely you both pulled it off where it's just I don't know, you're so uh or I'm I was so caught in the in the investigation and in the because we know the people and in the community response yeah. to everything that it wasn't it wasn't that kind of horrifying cringe like, Oh, okay. They just, they're yeah. just like being dark to be dark. Like, I don't know. It doesn't have that feel to it. Like you can, you can tell when it's, when it's off. Yeah. I mean, I think it also comes down to, I mean, I think that we really cared about the characters. Including yeah. the one character that finds himself in a really unfortunate situation. Um, and we, it, it, I mean, it lasts throughout the entire arc and we explore why, why they wound up there and, you know, they were doing a heroic thing. So, um, I don't know. It, it just comes down to, I guess, how you play it. And I don't know. It meant a lot to me. And I think that, that you know, I didn't want it to be, um, uh, sensationalized. So I think that that also may be why it, it works for you and it ended up working for me. But I mean, there was definitely, there was a panic sort of, and then there was another issue, which also had a panic. <laughs> I, I remember there's a transition in issue 10, uh, which a lot of people say knocks them cold. Um, and I, you know, again, it was like, I wrote it cause I wanted it to do that. But then once I saw the page come in, I was like, this is too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually messaged Jake and I said, "Is this too much?" And I like, kind of went through, like, maybe we should do this and this and this. And he goes, "Well, didn't you write it to be that way?" 
Yeah, <laughs> I did. All right, so we're going to keep it. All right, so let's just do it. You know, it, there's an old Mel Brooks saying about the producers. I mean, because, you know, he had springtime for Hitler, and you know, which obviously at the time was very much not a thing that you did. Uh, and the saying is just, if you're going to ring that bell, just march up to the bell and ring it. And I think that that's what we did. I mean, I don't think that, you know, we're not as big of a thing as the producers or anything like that. But, you know, in our small indie way, we rang the bell, you know. Sure, um, sure. No, I mean, I think I think Riedel's are you appreciate hearing that there's care put in. Like the fact that you're worried about it is a good sign, <laughs> I would say. Yeah, it's I mean, it's the story where tell her where where they're not worried about it and they're like, oh, let's let's shock them like this. Like that's obviously not the approach, at least for no, me. I don't want to throw anybody under the butt, but there's uh, you know, I will I'll just say there was a movie that came out, it was Puppet Masters, the newest Puppet Master movie. I okay. working for Joe Dante at the time. And I had read the script for I was a reader of scripts. And I read the script and I just thought it was uh, it was not in good taste. Uh, you know, I, I like gore and I like all that kind of stuff. I just thought it was really poor taste. Um, you know, and it was it was all you know Nazi puppets and stuff and like that. What I mean, that could work, but it was just you know, again, just in poor taste. And I think that that's the thing is if you treat the characters and what's happening in your story and you treat it with care and you know you actually care about the characters and what happens to them i don't know i think you're probably going to wind up with something that doesn't feel like you're just trying to get i don't know you're not just trying to get the uh the shock value of it i guess um, yeah have yeah. you gotten any reaction from folks about like none you know, I, those just, particular just, scenes yeah you know, just that people find some of the moments very, uh, I mean, they definitely find it upsetting, but in, in a sort of, uh, in a cathartic way, I think. Um, but, you know, for example, like the, so the speech that I wrote for Wyetta where she delays into Joe Bob, I felt that when I was writing it. You know, I've mm -hmm. been talking about that in a couple podcasts recently, but that was like something I really felt when I was writing it. I was really mad at Joe Bob. Yeah, yeah. Um, right. And, you know, and then there's the, the letter at the, at, in issue 12 from Wyetta to Joe Bob. And that I've gotten a few emails from people that, you know, and one of them was one of the nicest emails I've ever gotten, which is a guy who's like, I've been reading comics for like 40 years and I've never teared up at an issue. And I teared up oh, wow. reading the letter from Wyetta. And again, it's just sort of like, I, I don't know, part of it's, I guess, I mean, it, it's all just imaginary, right? So you're, you're imagining and you, you have to put yourself in these character shoes. And I mean, I'm not just sitting here turning this stuff out like other people, you know, where I have like 60 issues that are coming out and I'm working on this, that, and, you know, I'm working on that Texas blood. I'm writing one thing. And so I'm, I really have the time to spend with the characters in my mind and in my heart. And I try to put it out onto the page. And, you know, the fact that it works for some people and hits them in the way that it hits me is, I don't think there's anything better for a person who's a creative, a writer, an artist. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's the intended effect, right? And it's uh, yeah. it's reflected. Yeah, no, it's cool. All right, I think that's a perfect ending place. So, all right, that text is, is three's coming out now. Uh, again, it's, I'm, Super excited about the return of this book. I'm it's one of my most anticipated comics of the rest of the year for sure. Uh, and and we'll include links and all that fun stuff in the show notes for you for people who want to check it out. Chris, where should people find you? I am on Twitter and Instagram at Christoph Condon. That's Christopher without the ER. Um, Christoph Condon. And then um, also we have a Patreon, mutual Patreon, Jacob and myself, which we mentioned previously in the podcast. Um, but it's patreon.com slash Condon Phillips. And you can find us there as well. And, you know, if you send us a message on Twitter, Instagram, it responds. Um, same thing on the Patreon. We respond to everything. Um, there's also an email back to the book. So if you guys want, you know, I, that, for me, it's like a big thing that I want to, I want to interact with people because I know that I, you know, I, as a reader, first and foremost, like I would like that. I would like yeah. the, uh, writer to 
respond to me if I, if given the chance that I can talk with them, you know, um, and discuss something if need be. Um, so yeah, but that's where you can find me. And thank you so much for having me on, Dave. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. It was a blast. I appreciate you taking the time. So yeah. thanks so much.